0: today we start a new sermon series and this series uh will be called my main hustle my main hustle and i'll be explaining to you uh in due time how this and uh, for those of you who are quick at catching things uh, you'll figure out what it is we're talking about work and how work uh, is important for each one of us and god has a plan and allow me to start off this sermon series First, again, uh, for those of you who have uh, uh, your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Second Peter, uh, chapter 1. First chapter of the book of Second Peter. And as you do that, allow me to start off this sermon series with a basic point. This basic point. We are called to the workplace as disciples of Christ to be fruitful. I want to repeat. We are called to the workplace as disciples of Christ to be I want to repeat that. Okay? So, walk with me, guys. We are called to the workplace as disciples of Christ to be? All right. Just a few of you have said that. I think it's the introverts because they know I'm about to tell you to turn to your neighbor again. All right? This is me. We interact. All right? Turn to your neighbor and tell them you are called as a disciple of Christ at the workplace to be fruitful all right all right we'll be doing this more and more uh, as we go on introverts once again breathe it's okay it's okay hallelujah as an introductory note okay of this series i'll attempt to address the place of living your purpose at the workplace and i'm titling today's sermon not the series but today's sermon working On purpose. So, Mark Twain, one of English language, the English language venerated writers, is quoted as saying, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day uh -uh, you discover why. The day you die is not important. That's it, it's finished. There's nothing more after that. The day you were born and the day you know this quote makes so much sense to me uh, because it attempts to answer fundamental questions that all of us are asking can i preempt those questions you're asking why am i here where am i from before i was born where was i did i exist where am i going These are questions that successive generations through different epochs of history have wrestled with and continue to wrestle with. We in present-day Kenya, Hapa NCLA, are no exception. And so, for the next few weeks, this sermon series, My Main Hustle, is attempting to give you direction to answering these existential questions that I have just posed. And it actually starts with what you believe. It actually starts with what you believe. So, let me give you one of the things. Some people here may believe that they came from a small tiny dot of a cell in water that became emerged into a small tadpole. It grew legs, walked on land, and eventually became a monkey that finally became one of us. If that is you, Nisawa too, okay? I'm not judging you, but just take note that our conclusion at the end of this sermon series will be different. However, I must emphasize that I believe in Jehovah, God Almighty, creator of all the universe. And the Bible says that we are His handiwork. And if it's God who created us, then it is God who has ordained our time here on earth. The psalmist says this in Psalm 90 verse 10, 70 years are given us and some even live to 80. I'll continue with the living Bible translation. Says, But even the best of these years are often empty and filled with pain. Soon they disappear and we are gone. Things to reflect on, hmm. So assuming, all right, the average Kenyan starts working full time, a full time job at 25 years of age and retires at 60 years of age. How many years are those? Simple math. Eh? 25 years old? and retires at 65 years old how many years are those 40 aha uh-huh. so imagine you've worked for 40 years you are entitled to 21 days of leave legally just senior that's what we are hr people am i correct okay yes 21 days of leave and then an additional 10 public holidays okay which are legislated in our law and then there are all these other holidays that come when uh, the Minister uh, for uh, Internal Security decides that we're having a public holiday. We don't mind those ones. Um, Just in doing that, okay, on average, if you lived in Kenya, you would have worked for 8,800 work days. 8,800 work days. This does not count for weekends. So in short, if you lived the 70 years as the book of the psalmist says in Psalm 90 about half of those years would be spent where? Kate said, at what? Work. Work. You would be at work half of those 70 years you're alive. Not sleeping, not at leisure, not at home, but where? At work. God ordained that One of our main functions functions as humankind was and is to work. And if I as your pastor fail to emphasize this, then I have failed you. A preacher and colleague of mine pointed out and suggested that out of the basic needs, human needs, food, clothing, and shelter, work should be added to that. Food, clothing, shelter, and work as a basic need. I want to add a fifth one. Food, clothing, shelter, work, and Wi Fi. <laughs> you see, you come, you visit your friend, how are you, all that. Muna uh, password. that's what we hear. Uh, it seems like Nimuhimu. As I have been reflecting on this sermon series, guys, um, I have critiqued our model here at church. And in my many years of ministry and significant engagement in ministry, and my conclusion is that we have been doing a very poor job. Because we spend most of our time and energy training you to serve and work here in the church. When the majority of the time, you're not going to be here in church, you're actually going to be at your workplace. So we failed. I have failed. And for that, I am sorry. It will be my purpose for the a time the Lord allows me to be here to equip you with truth, opportunities of growth that you'll be more effective at your place of work engagement because this is where you spend most of your time. Work makes an integral part of your existence our existence, and brings dignity and and self-worth, and to many, even meaning. We cannot preach enough about work because this is our reality. So to understand and appreciate this fundamental question that I've asked, why am I here? Where am I from? Where am I heading? Then we need to recognize that how we answer these questions will influence how we work where we work why we work Mm -hmm. let me let that see makedogo put it there it's frying. how you answer why i'm here where am i from where am i going influences why you work, where you work, gives meaning to work. So let's go to what Peter was writing in Second Peter chapter 2. Sorry, Second Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ has received a faith as precious as ours, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promise so that through him uh, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This very reason, guys, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance, uh, perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he or she is short-sighted and blind and has forgotten that they have been cleansed from these past sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never fall. Verse 11, I said verse 10, let me finish verse 11, uh, the, extend the thought, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Interesting. What does this have to do with answering our existential questions? So, to appreciate this text in its context, we need to appreciate what this first century audience was going through that Peter wrote through. It was in um, it was a general letter written to a series of many of different Christian uh, communities in Asia, minor, what is present-day Syria, Turkey. Uh, and, uh, and these followers of Jesus at that time faced immense persecution. Peter was not averse to this because he also was facing imminent death. If we check in, chapter, uh, in the first book of Peter, uh, verse 14, um, we see what he was facing. He actually alludes to it. Peter was later killed soon after writing this letter by these same persecutors he talked about. Facing immediate death and as an eyewitness of Jesus' ministry and part of the inner circle of Jesus saw him, uh, his death and his resurrection, uh, makes a final treatise in this epistle to the church. And he encourages them to never stop growing and to make their existence reflect the nature of God. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? Well, I'm, this is yes and this is no. If it's not, just let me know. I can go back and explain. Okay, Make your existence reflect the nature of God. On preparing this sermon, I feel that one of these days, we might need to go to Second Peter. Second Peter is very rich. And last week's preacher actually did this. He didn't know I was going to preach about this thing. But the epistle of, 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 of Peter, the second epistle of Peter, rings true to our situation and circumstance today. In the opening paragraphs, as I've read, Peter argues that God has given us everything. Everything we need to be fruitful. Everything we need to be fruitful. And let me explain what I mean by fruitful. To make things better. That's what fruitful is. To make things. So, if you're not making things better... You are being unfruitful. I'll explain. To make things better is what you're being called to and to serve God faithfully as we see in verse 3. He then says that through Christ, God invites us to become participants in his own divine nature. God has actually invited us in his own divine nature to be participants, to share in God's own eternal life and love. Guys, I don't know if this, this registers with you, but this is mind-boggling. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Maker of Heaven and Earth has invited you. I mean, if you get a call from State House to tell you, I need help, because our government does need help. And we need to be praying for this Gava. Because if they fail, we fail. Sindio. So if they called and said, I need help from you, what would you think? Me? Who? Atimimi. God has done this. He has invited you to be part and parcel. Not that he needs your help, but he wants you to experience his own eternal love. And if you would pause and think about it, why would God do such a thing? Why would God invite us? And the reason is God has always sought to fellowship with us. And that's why we we were created for fellowship with him. And and, and why we we're created for fellowship with him? Remember in the book of of Genesis chapter 1, he made man and woman in? Chapter 2, he made man and woman in? His own image. So you connect with who you are. So God made man and woman in His own image. I, I, do you understand why Adam and now do you understand why Adam and Eve were made that way, and why we are made that way in the image of God, so that God can relate with us? So let's go back to chapter two of Peter, chapter one of, of Second Peter to accept this invitation to be a participant in God's divine nature. Peter suggests that this is a Lifelong commitment with a lifelong response to receive such a gift. And let me continue to say, in in verse 5, he continues to say, he calls his audience to develop the same character, traits, and marks of God's own divine nature. And this is modeled in the person and life of, wait for it, Jesus Christ. That was easy, see, dear. All right? He suggests seven, seven traits. I, I, I don't think this list was exhaustive, but but he says these seven traits, if you hold them in increasing measure, in other words, they are going, they're moving from one stage to another. You're moving from one degree to two degrees, three degrees, but you are making things better. Faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, Godliness, mutual affection, and love, encompassing and crowning them all is love. So love here uh, means devoting oneself to others, no matter their response. Once again, devoting oneself to others No matter their response, whether it's good, bad, favorable, indifferent, whatever, but that's what love is. To love is to share in God's divine purpose, which is to bring glory to himself. A new commandment I give you. Jesus said this in John 13, verse uh, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Does he say, have crusades? Does he say, uh, whatever? He just says, love. Love one another. Others will know me when you love. Love is the currency. And this is what God expects of his creation. This is consistent with the first two of the Ten Commandments. Let me read them for you. Okay? You shall, verse 3 of Exodus chapter 20, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an image in the forms of anything in heaven, above, or on earth, beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. God has created us for his own and not to be shared, exclusively for himself. It explains why God despises idolatry. And idleness of the heart. Idolatry is the worship of something apart from God Almighty. Idleness of the heart is the lethargy and the lack of passion and devotion to God. And to respond to Mark Twain's question and answer the question, Why am I here? Why was I born? And then we need not go far. Don't need to go far. If you are to be asked the same question and to understand your purpose of why am I here? I have an answer for you. And for your references, I'll give you some few portions of scripture for you to read. I'll expound on these things later on. Psalm 73 verse 25, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 and Philippians 1 20 and 21. I repeat, those of you who are taking notes, Psalm 73, verse 25, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, and Philippians 1, 20 to 21. Now, I'm not going all over scripture to be able to come this. This is just consistent from Genesis 1, 1 to Revelation twenty-two twenty-one. 21. But the reason why you're here is to bring, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever through Christ. I want to repeat. The reason why you're here, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever through Christ. That should be your ultimate purpose. So, allow me to suggest that if your purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy Him through Christ, then the two most important days of your life is the day you were born. That is the day God, who knits you in your mother's womb, brought you safely into this earth, and The day you discover why, which is the day you profess faith and belief and allegiance in Christ and resolve to live for the glory of God alone. Those are the two most important days. And if this is so, then absolutely yes, the statement holds true. For that, if the chief end or purpose of humankind is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever through Christ. Period. So whether you are a janitor at a small medical clinic, a craftsman at a juakali shed, an accountant in a government agency, a stay-home mother investing your time and energy and resources in raising your children, that marketing executive at an advertising agency, a student at a local technical college, the MCA of a small rural town, or a globe-trotting senior executive of a multinational company, your purpose is one, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever through Christ. Period. And to unpack this a bit more, allow me to emphasize those seven traits that we read from verse 5. As I bring our thoughts to a close. Faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, with love, will not happen or occur in a vacuum. It will not. It must be tested. It must be proved. It must be seen. It is less likely to be seen here in the fellowship of believers because we all pursue it to there. Now, you go and tell me how to love somebody who is hard to love then you will see love. You go and tell me what it means to have self-control when all things are challenging all facets of your life. They happen as or when you are busy working. And those of you who like just working from home and not interacting, I encourage you to look at this piece of information a bit more. You are called to interact. You will not see perseverance unless you are tested to bring out your grit. You will not see patience and long-suffering if you are not put in a position to vumilia Goodness thrives where there is sin and evil. Understand? Light has its effect in darkness. How else would we apply godly wisdom and knowledge if they are not at work? Where else are we going to apply that? Where there is no godly wisdom. Where there is no godly knowledge. Going back to our point at the beginning of the sermon series, God gives us the gift of work so that we can be fruitful, make things better. This cannot be done in isolation, good people. Faith is best expressed in community. That is my quote, so just write it down and put my name there. If you tweet and all that, just make sure you put Go Your data there. Faith is best expressed in community and all these traits are, the benefit, are for the benefit of others as you serve them and work with them, and for them. So if you are to fulfill God's purpose for you at the workplace, then glorify God and enjoy Him forever through Christ as you serve others. In other words, purpose is a product of faithfully working, that's bearing fruit, and serving others. So you come and say, what's my purpose, what's my purpose? This is it. And before I bounce, before I end this thing, I I can hear a a question coming. I want to present it. So, can someone live out of their life's purpose, and that is to glorify God and enjoy Him through Christ forever, and not be a believer? I say no. And this does not mean that unbelievers cannot be spectacular at something or make massive contributions for the good of all humanity in any field. Lionel Messi is hardwired to play football and has done remarkable things in the sport. Usain Bolt is hardwired and his peak to reach the furthest limits of speed for a human being. Stephen Hawking, Albert Einstein pushed the limits of knowledge and understanding in physics. She championed the cause of preserving nature. You see, all these individuals did remarkable or are doing remarkable things for the good of all humanity. And this is what we know as common grace. That God gives every human being, whether or not they are believers. But their ultimate purpose was not to be physicists, to be athletes conservationists it was to be worshipers of God who glorify him through Christ so I ask that million-dollar question how does this help cocoa production in Ghana some of you will get it later and these are my thoughts as we close so wherever you are guys be content some of you are disgruntled at your workplace. You want a pay rise. You are passed over for promotion. You are anxious because your peers have overtaken you. You went for a class reunion, and you're the only one in gro- job group C. Everyone is in job group G. I'm not saying do not be ambitious or strive for the best, But I want to say your contentment is shown when others around you are achieving. As you see others achieving around you and doing great things, going places, celebrate them. Cheer them on. That is what God has allowed them to do. Whereas for you, at that place of occupation, God is calling you to be fruitful. And to bring glory to the Most High. The psalmist captures this in Psalm chapter 15, 16 verse 5 and 6. He says, The Lord, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. Your boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. The Kiswahili saying, says, Kila na yake. This rings true. Could it be that God has placed you in such a place, a job, a position, a circumstances, an opportunity, a trial, a challenge, wherever you are for such a time as this, to be fruitful and to bring glory to Him? Number two, be faithful. You see, the parable of the talents we see in Matthew chapter 25 brings out this principle well. Allow me to summarize. After equally apportioning talents to three of his servants, the master goes on a journey and returns after a long time and commends two of his servants and reprimands the third servant. He commends the two not for productivity, He doesn't say, well done my good and productive servant. He says, well done my good and faithful servant. Being faithful, glorifying God and enjoying Christ at your workplace. It produces lasting fruit. And lastly guys, serve. So I had the privilege of traveling to South Korea uh, a number of years ago, and we were doing a just a scanning of, of the of the place. We attended a conference, but we chose to stay there. A few of us church leaders uh, for another two, three, year, three weeks rather, and we visited other churches, visited businesses, and started hearing not that I did know, but was now hearing a first-hand story of south korea's transformation about 20 percent of south korea's population are christians the rest are buddhists and other religions from the east and so one of these person one of these people he was a social anthropologist but also an entrepreneur who was talking about the transformation in South Korea. And one of the things, he says, one of the things we credit our transformation is the Christian community. And we kept on unpacking that with him. And his idea was, you know, I'm not a Christian, but we look forward to having Christians on our staff team. Eh? Ebu explained? He says, these people, one, are highly productive, all right? They are faithful, and they serve. So I looked at my colleague here, and he says, would we say that about Christians in Kenya? We are people of praise the Lord, us if we, and it ends there. Very interesting. A person of purpose will serve diligently with whatever opportunity, situation, circumstance or assignment they are given if i would use military language it is an honor to serve not just to serve but to serve the king of kings and the lord of lords whatever you do walk with it with all your heart as though working for the lord not for human masters paul exhorts the colossian church in colossians chapter 3 he says, "Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving." Colossians 3:23. This is the posture we need to assume as we serve at our different places of work. Inasmuch as it may just be a job, for you who believe in Jesus Christ, it's not just a job. It's an opportunity to serve the Lord our God. Father God, thank you for the ministry of your word. Thank you, Father God, for the truth. Sanctify us with this truth. Speak to us. And I pray, Father God, that we would live out this purpose That you have called us to do you have called us father god to worship you and to enjoy life through christ jesus christ this is our ultimate purpose to glorify you in christ jesus and it is in this name we pray
1: we continue in that mood of prayer, it is possible that you are here and you have never given your life to the Lord. This is a good opportunity to start responding and living a life of purpose, living the way God would have you live. We start that by giving our lives to the Lord. And so if you are here and you have never given your life to the Lord, all he requires of us is that we believe that Christ came and died on the cross for our sins and that on the third day he was raised again And then in addition to that, that we invite him to be Lord of our lives, to be ruler of our lives, to have the final say of our lives. And so if you are here and you have never met that prayer, either physically here in church or even online, just make this prayer after me, meaning it from deep within your heart. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to live on earth and to die on the cross for my sins. Today, I receive you as Lord over my life. Wash me and cleanse me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and lead me in ways of righteousness so that when you come back for your church, I'll be counted amongst the number. From today, I am born again. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have made that prayer for the very first time and you're here, please see either either myself or Pastor uh sorry Reverend goey Um but if you're online, just send us um, a text on that WhatsApp number right on your screen and tell us I gave my life to the Lord today, and we'll come alongside you and give you more information around living for our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's Uh, Please stand as we share the words of our benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he be your strength. May he be your peace. May may, May he be the one that carries you through every situation in life. May he be your guide wherever it is that you go. May he clarify everything that he needs you to do. May he strengthen you so much so that you will do not only what you desire to do, but may he surpass your your, your heart's desire. Our God who is able to do sufficiently, abundantly above that which you hope, think, or even ask, may he surprise you with his goodness. May he bless the work of your hands. May he bless your families. May he bless your businesses. May you be called the blessed of the land. May the blessed call you blessed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. May people look at your life and desire to have the Christ that you live for. May the Lord do you good and flourish you Nairobi Chapel Langata in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's kindly share in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.